Yo. Finally, dude. We're, we're so back. Yeah, dude. After like what a huge ass off season. <laughs> I know. Probably like a month and a half, maybe even two months. Yeah. It's been real, but we gotta get back to it. There's a lot of stuff happening, hey. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Honestly, I'm still up on the Celtics being the favorites for it all. Like been watching so much content and everything trying to like convince myself that the Bucks have what it takes but they just don't it has to happen like naturally if it does happen naturally um the Celtics are gonna win but if injuries or anything else comes along the way then that's probably how another team is gonna come out with it but honestly like I told you earlier if you guys don't win this year it's over man like this year or next year you guys are contracts are gonna catch up to you yeah, this is like literally what you need to happen right now. You know, like you guys are placed in the best possible situation as a Celtics team. You've been rebuilding for so long. Now you're trading like future assets like the Warriors 24 first rounder, which is, isn't going to be that high, but it's like next year, you know, like you gave up mm-hmm. on that potential to capitalize now. And if you don't, like, I feel like that's it, like. Drew's going to be 35 after two years. Al's going to be 40. You know, like, it's literally now, as in 2024, 2025, or never. Especially because you guys are a massive second apron team right now. Like, you're way past that point even. So, you better hope that your freaking Celtics or your C's come out on top man because if they don't you're wasting a massive golden opportunity here i mean the the celtics owner today said the same thing like he knew that they were going over the second apron for this and he was comfortable with that but he knows like the next he said the next six years i would say more like the next two or three years realistically um you know before the contracts really catch up um i I would say the celtics are the favorites at the very least from the east um you know the west west will be interesting because the nuggets you know have the same core as last year but they also did shed some of their role players you know they shed bruce brown they shed jeff green Mm -hmm. um they got paid so good for them but not good for the nuggets yeah and you know the thing with winning an nba title and I i think over the last two years, teams that have both won the title and lost in the finals have shown that it takes a lot of like magic, good luck with like health and sort of matchups to to make it. I Repeat? mean, absolutely, bro. Yeah, I mean, you need a lot of factors because like you have so many stories about past NBA titles that like could have been, but simply weren't because not everything stacked up in your favor. Like that's what you need to happen. You can have the talent. You could have the chemistry, you could have the best front office, but if the stars don't align and everything works out in your favor, like for example, in 2019, I'll call my team out. Like we wouldn't have won if KD didn't go down. We wouldn't have maybe even not won if Clay didn't go down, you know? So like, but we're remembered as champions. And like, if you want, if you want to go way back, I think it was the 2002 conference uh, finals, Sacramento versus mm-hmm. Lakers. Like the NBA made sure Sacramento didn't come out on top. Like there was one one call where um, I think Kobe elbowed someone in the face and it was a foul on the dude he elbowed instead of Kobe. So 
like there's a lot of factors that have to align in your favor for you to win a championship that's probably why the Celtics haven't won like if you guys didn't go ice cold against the Warriors in 2022 you would have maybe have come out from that series as champions you know and now that's exactly the conference it. finals too with you guys you've been to mad conference finals and then you just couldn't break out you know one of those teams that came out from the west that you might have been able to take instead of, like the phoenix suns if but if milwaukee didn't come out and you guys did you might have beat the phoenix suns too you know so a lot of stuff has to align in your favor for you to win but I'm not saying that doesn't take away from you guys having to win in the next two, specifically two years. But, like, I mean, a lot has to go wrong as well. Like, you guys have so much preparation done that you only have the executional aspect and the stars aligning aspect left. Like, the prep, you guys are 10 out of 10, maybe even more at this point, you know? Yeah, and, like... That, that that's sort of the crazy thing is like even going back to like 2022 the celtics were 21 and 24 at one point during that regular season but so in some ways they had to have a lot go right just to make the finals and then they ran out of gas you know with two games to go you know the the heat they made their own you know special run last year you know basically they basically iced the conference finals when they went up three to nothing i mean the celtics made a very valiant comeback but you know history and math just aren't in their favor yeah you know it's like oh for 100 what it was like 53 or something yeah something 141 like um but looking at this offseason um yeah i mean the celtics it's crazy bro one of the crazy it's been a crazy offseason so Stupid everyone was anticipating power though across the whole league hey like the teams that are relevant weren't and like the ones that were not important are all of a sudden out of nowhere you know yeah so so maybe starting with the east i i think the east is really interesting because dame ended up going to the eastern conference which was Regardless. expected what wasn't expected however was the team he went to at least not initially I mean, everyone points to little hints on Twitter that Dame gave about, oh, I'd love to play with Giannis. I think he made comments like that in both 2021 and 2022. Yeah. But ultimately... And, like, Giannis picked him in the All-Star game, too, so it was, like, double-sided. So social media had a crazy time going with that narrative. But I think it's kind of also, like, relating to the loyalty aspect. Like, Joe Cronin definitely likes Dame, you know, even though there was this entire narrative out recently about how Dame went back when like to the front office and Joe Cronin, he basically talked to him. He was he was saying he was saying how he would be open to coming back as a blazer. And like that's from your top man and like the history of the franchise member of the 75th best team of all time. So and then imagine being a GM and just simply rejecting that. Like he was just like, no, you said you wanted out. So like now I'm. Um, basically making that happen and i don't want to pause like i feel like this is a turning point within the franchise we tried to win it didn't work but he basically rejected dame's like ask to come back and play for the blazers which is his team by all aspects exactly and, and i did right, this though. point yeah did i think right. at this point dame probably deserves better i mean at this point the blazers are you know they're in rebuild mode they have been for like the last you know two to three oh, years at least yeah. um and pretty much that that's what this trade signified to me um so obviously the original trade just for those who missed it uh 
you know, the buck, it was a three-way trade between the Bucks, the Suns, and the Blazers. Uh, the Blazers got Drew Holiday, who, as we'll talk about in a sec, did not stay there. Uh, they got DeAndre Ayton, who finally got shipped off from Phoenix after about two years worth of trade rumors. Him and Book didn't uh, get along either, so that worked out. Uh, they also got uh, Tumani Kamara, uh, an unprotected first-rounder in 2029, and then pick swaps in 2028 and 2030, so very much uh, future assets. Uh, the Suns got uh, Nurkic, who will provide some very good size for them, I think. Uh, Grayson Allen, who is no. character, and then role players, you know, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, um, and then of course the Bucks got Dame. Uh, what I find interesting for the Bucks is, you know, last year their offense was very hot and cold. I think they ended up finishing in the bottom third uh, in terms of offensive rating. So getting Dame is for sure an asset for them offensively. You know, he he's a guy who can, you know, make those crazy logo threes, really get a team back in and get them rejuvenated. Um, but there are two questions for the Bucs now. First of all, can Dame stay healthy, which, you know, he's definitely had some injury trouble over the last few years. Uh, and then number two is what happens to them defensively. Um, because they lost Drew Holiday, who is at the very at the very least was their second best defensive player. I mean, yeah. maybe Giannis being the exception, but yeah, I mean, as we we you and I discussed, what I mean, you could argue that Drew Holiday is a better version of Marcus Smart. Hey, um, when you get a Celtics fan to admit that, it's music to your ears. <laughs> oh, off. I mean, offensively, it's not a contest. Yeah, Drew's better offensively. Defensively, I in 2022, I I give my nod to well, Marcus. Marcus Last was like 28, Drew was 33, and he wasn't really trying because he had already won. So I see your point, but generally speaking, Drew's better on both sides. Exactly, and like so the, that you guys got that after flipping your heart and soul of nine years is astounding to me man like that's why i literally started off a huge off season by saying if you guys don't win like this is gonna be one of the greatest win or bust teams in nba history because you guys actually put so much into it and then you mentioned injury prone for the bucks that's not my concern bro i feel like the biggest factor in Boston's favor is their starting six. They have the best starting six in the entire league. And Agreed. it's probably going to be a little bit of a trek. I might, if I was the coach, if I was Missoula, I'd essentially uh, use Derek White and Al Horford as the sixth men, depending on my matchup per game, depending on if I want to go too big or too small. Uh, those two are the guys who are essentially going to come off the bench. And I have four solid starters which are by far the best in the entire league in Brown Tatum. And then you have Drew now, which is insane to me. Crazy. And then you have Porzingis. So like you mentioned, injury prone in defense. When it comes to defense, you guys were worse than the Bucks before you made the Drew trade. That's why you did. So now defense is a concern for the Bucks, just like you mentioned, and no longer for the Celtics. However, when it comes to injury prone, I'd say Dame and the rest of the... Uh, Bucks roster excluding uh, Middleton, who had basically one entire season to rehab on the court after his actual injury. 
are more or are less injury prone than everyone on the Celtics, excluding the two Jays, right? Because you have yeah. Porzingis, which is the definition of the word injury prone. Yeah. And then you have Horford, which is pushing 38. So and he's being asked to be one of the main two bigs you guys have. You guys did sign another big that was on the Lakers if you one Yin Gabriel. That's a yes. huge underrated pickup for you guys. Like you you're literally seeing every single area you have a weakness in and you're patching it right away. So you're like 15 man roster, you you're so complete. You know, it's it, it was it's literally championship or bust all over it. But just like you mentioned earlier. When you go back to the books, their defense is a problem. And I expected them to patch that, just like I mentioned you guys did with uh, Wenyan Gabriel, for example. He's literally a Time Lord part two. Like, I don't care what Boston Celtics fans say. Uh, you guys might have liked Time Lord because you've had him longer. You, I think you drafted him, right? So Yeah, we did in yeah. 2018. Yeah, you have a bit of a more of a connection to him and stuff, which is totally understandable. But Wenyan Gabriel will literally do everything that Time Lord did, maybe a shade less or a hair less uh, being good at it. If anything, he's less injury prone, so it bounces out. Like, that's what you guys have to realize. You literally have every single hole patched when it comes to your roster, your defensive identity, which took you to the conference finals every single season for the past couple. You know, that's why having Drew literally puts you that much ahead of the books. So Dame literally got to be happy about being a favorite for like two days. And then uh, Brad Stevens picked up the phone and he's like, psych, we're back to being the favorites. You know, so yeah. the Bucks have to address their defensive issues right now, just like Stevens did for you guys. And what they went and did was go out and sign campaign. Like, are you serious? You already signed one little guard. You have Malik Beasley, who's another little guard starting alongside Dame. Sure, you have the best defensive front court, but then who are, you're going to get burned with teams shooting threes. Your defensive identity as the Bucks, they used to always go down on the screen and behind and let teams beat them by shooting threes. And with the exception of 2021, they've lost every other time because teams sparked it from three against them. And when you look at Porzingis, when you look at Tatum, when you look at Holiday, he's been shooting super well from three, especially catch and shoot. The Bucks are going to get spark out sparked. Like, sure, the Bucks have Dame, but like you can only have so much offense with limited guard. Um, like you have so much limitations when it comes to your guard defensive roster your personnel doesn't have that identity that's why i was super shocked when they went out and signed campaign instead yeah. of another guard like i don't and nothing's coming to mind right now but like another Derek white for example another like maybe kcp try to get him out of the nuggets or something like that you know they didn't do that they didn't address that that's why i feel like the defensive side which you said after the dame trade is something milwaukee needs to worry about but I think the injury-prone aspect is a little bit worse of a problem for the Celtics, actually, not the Bucks. Yeah, I think I should clarify that. I think when I say that Dame, Dame's injury concern, or Dame has an injury concern, I don't mean that he's more injury-prone than someone like Porzingis, for example. It's more the impact it'll have if he's out for you know a significant oh, yeah. period of time. Because sure. then not only you know are they going to have issues defensively, but you know, the offensive production won't be there either. You know, if Porzingis is gone, that's going to suck, especially for like our pick and roll defense, for example, because that's where Porzingis really thrives and probably, you know, some offense in the paint too with his size. 
Um, but the Celtics have, as you mentioned, a good enough 15 man roster that they can patch up those holes. Um, obviously they got rid of along with Rob Williams, you know, we lost smart, we lost Grant Williams and we lost Brogdon. Um, but we kept a lot of the, uh, depth pieces on the bench. So, you know, a three and D guy like Sam Hauser, you know, Peyton Pritchard, I'm a little surprised he's still there, but I can't complain, you know, even Luke Cornett with his goofy corn test, uh, yeah, can <laughs> you know, jump, jump up, jump up and get. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm I'm really excited for this season. Um, obviously, you know, I'm I'm hoping that I'm Brown, excited for you guys as a non-Celtics fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just really excited about this roster. I hope the Jays, you know, get that chip that they've been working so hard for all these years. Um. And just like you said, if um, what's his name, Perzingis becomes injured, you guys literally have one of, if not the best five starters alongside that. Like imagine a starting lineup of Drew Holiday and Jarek White. That's literally the best defensive backcourt, which is not even bad on offense. They're above average on offense too. But to none, like take that out of the equation. They're the best defensive backcourt in the entire league, bro, in the entire world. Like, be a guard and try to score against them without being, like, a superstar. You're not going to. That's simply it. And then you have uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. No introduction needed on the wings. And then you have Al Horford. And um, always steady, always ready. In that case. So that's it. Like, that's all you need, bro. You have Jason Tatum playing the power forward. And then you have uh, Al Horford being uh, older center, sure. But he's still going to hold his own. And then the best part of that is that everyone on the floor is an above average shooter. So you guys can play five out offense and get free layups on the other side of the floor. That's why your defensive stance won't be that bad, especially because uh, Brown is by far going to be your best defender on that lineup outside of the backcourt. I'm saying because the backcourt is just that good. And then he's also the longer, the longest tenured Celtic as of now. So Expect him to take more of a leadership role, especially vocally, maybe like a Draymond Green-esque role on defense, because he's going to be basically chaperoning that side of the floor now that he's essentially the best, most well-paid player in the entire NBA that just signed an extension and that happens to be the longest tenured Celtic. So they basically handed him the keys from Marcus Smart to Jalen Brown to the entire franchise. So... Like you guys are just too good on all aspects of the floor, even with the Porzingis injury. That's why Dame got to feel like he was a favorite for two days. And then Brad Stevens decided to make him feel the exact opposite of that. So I really hope the Bucks do make some moves because I'm not going to lie at this point in the season. Of course, the trade deadline within the season is going to have us having an entire different conversation when that time comes. However, at this point, before the season starts and the roster is being sort of finalized, the media day has already happened. I see the Boston Celtics being a one-team Eastern Conference. Because I, I tend to, it just yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah, like the, the other thing you need to think about. It's literally all bums. Like I think you have the Cavs in third, maybe the Heat in like fifth, the New York Knicks in fourth. Like who do you have? They're all beta compared to. The 1A, and I don't even want to say 1B is the Bucks. They're like more of a 1C or 1D. 
And then you have Boston, which is literally supreme in every single aspect of the floor. And there's another thing that people aren't talking about quite as much, which is, you know, I, I think last year, Missoula's a rookie. You know, he, yeah, he did a pretty good job, true. but, you know, definitely had his, you know, flaws or, or sort of blind blind sides or blind spots. Um, yeah. But they're revamping the the coaching staff around him. Like that that's the thing that people need to remember is when Ime left, he took all of his staff with him, to, you know, and now they're down in Houston. Um, but, you know, they brought in this, this off season, like Sam Castle, who was on the 2008 uh, title team, team yeah. you know, Paul Pierce made a stop at the facility today. Yeah, I'm sure Brad will try to push to, to have him, you know, involved in the franchise somehow. So, you know, I, I think they're doing all the right things, both on, you know, the rosters, so the players, as well as the coaching staff. And I think if the ball movement improves this year and they're not just chucking up threes, which is frankly what was their downfall in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, I mean they they could easily they be top two top two on offense and defense this year. Oh, uh, but they will though. That that's the only thing that's gonna basically prevent you guys is that you guys are gonna beat yourselves just like Houston did in 2018, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only team or person or situation that might be in your way and the Larry O'Brien is you guys you guys might shoot yourselves out of a game because you guys are so good when it comes to a five-out offense in every single lineup that you guys have you don't have a non-shooter outside of one in Gabriel who's like your eighth man dude you literally don't so like every time you're on the floor even when you're picking rolling you're not gonna roll you're gonna pop because it's 2023 you know the nba kind of went through a revolution ever since 2014 2015 and you guys by far were the team shooting the most amount of threes last season so Mm -hmm. i do not expect that to change especially because uh footage coming out of you guys uh your first couple of days at training camp was literally only shooting threes (laughs) i didn't see anything else except for jason tatum practicing a couple of fades like he did on LeBron for that nationally televised game last season for the win which hurt my soul because he Mm -hmm. defended it so well but yeah like you guys were only chucking up threes so I feel like you guys are the only culprit in your own way between what you think would be the expectations of everyone of you landing in Larry O'Brien and just being a bust is you guys literally beating yourselves against whoever you play against and I think you know it's okay for them to take threes in bulk but it's more of like if it's not working you know being able to make those adjustments and say okay let's get the ball moving let's attack the paints you know i'd love to see brown become a bit more of a playmaker um uh, but that's not gonna you know, i think <laughs> i'm sorry you have Derek white you have jason tatum you've drew holiday which is going to be your bona fide that will also player. that will also help and probably make it less necessary but that's definitely yeah something that's what i'm saying I, that, like, was a downfall for the Celtics last year. It was, in, in but he's not going to be asked to do that role because he has such an elite roster around him that he, they're basically going to be feeding him all game. Yep. Feed, feed the Jays will be the, the motto. Um, I want to talk about a couple teams in the East that were kind of disappointing this offseason. There's a lot. <laughs> There There's are a lot, but I want to talk about one particular team, and let that me is guess, the let defending... me guess. It's either Philly or um, the Heat, right? One, well, 
you could say both honestly i mean philly i mean they still got to deal with the whole james harden thing and you know nothing's changed from last year you know we won't spend too much time on that i think it's just very obvious which is the Sixers don't want Harden. Harden doesn't want to be there. No one, wa- no one wants to take on Harden. Love that breakdown. A-plus analysis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, last year was Philly's best chance to make it out of the second round. And they... And they JT went nuclear. Man literally saved his legacy in one quarter of a game. And then, and then of course, game seven was just... You know, absolute blow up. Good time for us Celtics fans, not so much for Sixers fans. But yeah, I, I it's the Heat I want to talk about because all offseason, you heard about how they were going to land Damian Lillard, how, you know, this team is Joe stacked Cronin, to the brim man. with depth. Joe Cronin, that's all I got to say, Joe Cronin. But he they, finessed they... Dame Lillard, he finessed Pat Riley, he finessed Jimmy Butler, he finessed Bam out of bio, which is really close friends to Lillard. He literally finessed the entirely. He's like, oh, player empowerment? Uh, sorry, I don't do that. I'm going to bring back the best possible package. And he did. He literally got what he wanted. He said he wanted a young all-star. And it's basically DeAndre Ayton, even though I, nobody sees him as that except for himself because He's a 2K player that basically calls himself <laughs> domination. And he said that in the press conference. And you should see the comments he was getting on social media, man. It was it was tough reading that. I'm not going to lie. But he views himself as a number one. He wants to start shooting threes. You know, he feels he's more of like a just pick and roll center, which was what he was being used as in Phoenix. Hence why I mentioned earlier him and Book don't have a good relationship. You know, he just feels like he's more of a numero uno than... Devin Booker, which is uh, honestly, I might be getting ahead of myself here talking about the Olympics, but I think he should be the starting two guard, bro, alongside Steph Curry, KD, LeBron, and Joel Embiid. Like, he's that good, in my opinion. Like, did people forget what Devin Booker did in the playoffs last season? He literally averaged like 37 points on 60% from three. Like, that's just not, that's 2K numbers. That's not real people numbers. People don't do that. Like, especially in the playoffs when you're being guarded like a, I don't want to say, bleep, you know? Like, that that's insane. People are forgetting how good he is. But going back to what I was talking about, Joe Cronin basically finessed the entire league by telling everyone that, hey, I'm going to do what works best for me and screw what people say or players say they want to end up. But at the same time, I'm not a bot. I understand that this dude literally dedicated his whole career so far for my franchise. So I'm going to put him in a good spot. I'm going to give him Giannis, but I'm not going to give him where he said he wanted to go. I'm going to do him one better because I want to look out for me. So he got DeAndre Ayton. He got Malcolm Brogdon, which is the reigning sixth man of the year, who's he probably going to trade for more picks. He got three picks, just like you said earlier when you broke down the trade. So he got a lot of stuff back for Damian Lillard while putting his foot down, while acknowledging his loyalty, which is a lot of things to do. So honestly, at first, I was a little bit like caught off guard by what he did. But honestly, this was really healthy for the league. Like it was starting to get out of control, just like you alluded to yourself with James Harden right now. Like the man is literally uh, going out to a club and posting about or not posting. He's getting the bottle service with the sign that says, um, what's his name is a liar? Uh, the Philly Phillies. Daryl Daryl Morey or Morey. Yeah, Daryl Morey. He's literally calling him out in clubs where people are filming, 
So, like, that's not how you do somebody who looked out for you. Like, Joe Cronin, on the other hand, rejected Damian Lillard's request to come back on the team. But at the same time, he paired him up with arguably the best player in the entire NBA right now, uh, Giannis. So, like, what Harden is doing, I think, is essentially playing himself out of the league. Because I see a lot of what happened to Melo, and this might be a hot take, but I see a lot of what happened to Carmelo Anthony for you, those young listeners who think I'm talking about LaMelo, no, Melo is Carmelo. It's not LaMelo, okay? But yeah, so essentially, I think that James Harden is playing himself out of the league with the antics he's playing because the first time he was like a generational scorer out of Houston, a lot of teams wanted him, right? Because they didn't see like him doing that to them. But then he did the exact same thing to the Nets. And then Philly was like, you know what? We wanted you initially. It's super toxic with Kyrie not playing. We'll let it pass. We'll give you another pass. And now he's doing it to Philly with the GM that was with him on the Rockets the entire time. And now he's calling him out publicly when he's going out. He's refusing to show up to media day. Like he's, I think he's, he's, he thinks he's too, like another report came out to him wanting to go back to Houston. And then Ime Udoko was essentially open to it at first, but then James Harden expressed the interest of him wanting to be like the all-time leading scorer once again. He wants to start like taking 30 shots a game and scoring like uh, 10 back-to-back games with 30 points plus. And then Ime was like, you know what? Bleep that shit out of here. Like, we don't want that. Like, F out of here. Like, no. And he rejected the entire proposed trade with Houston that was they were kind of willing to like pair him up with Freddie V and uh, Dylan Brooks and everyone they saw that as being like the two timeline process like the Warriors tried to do with Jordan Poole and Steph Curry like we might you know do it one step better than them but then like uh, Ime Odoka literally said no he just shoot him out so I think hot take if he doesn't end up on the Clippers we know he's not going to play for Philly I think he might end up working himself out of the league. I think it might be another Ben Simmons situation and it might stretch out to a Carmelo situation because he thinks he's that top dog still when every other team views him as a toxic player that's going to force himself out of a situation who also chokes in the playoffs. That's really important. If he doesn't choke in the playoffs, if he comes through, teams are still going to want to take that flyer on him because he might end up making them win. But he's a choker. He's a bona fide choke job in the playoffs. So that's why that's he thinks he's so exactly. full of himself when it's not. Like, I, I'm genuinely concerned he's not going to find a team. Like, I'm sorry I kind of went on this tangent when you wanted to talk about the Heat, but I just wanted to see how Joe Cronin essentially finessed the entire league with Pat Riley included from the Heat. And then it bleeded out to James Harden, essentially playing himself out of the league. Yeah, I mean, I actually agree with your hot take. It, it I see a lot of parallels. And, you know, Melo worked himself back into the league by saying, okay, you know, I'll come to the Blazers as a role player, you know. Central. And then eventually to the Lakers, you know. And he accepted that he wasn't that guy anymore. Exactly. The problem with Harden is I, I don't see his ego allowing for it. You know, he still thinks because he gets like one 40 point game against the Celtics, which was dumb luck, like, and, you know, given how the series went was clearly an anomaly and not, you know, the norm yeah. for him at this point. It, it, he He's yeah, unless he ends up on the Clippers, which I mean, we're all assuming he'll end up there, but there's no guarantee that they'll even want him there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
they you know they might try to roll with Kawhi and Paul George and they have Westbrook too. Exactly, and Westbrook, you know, and that's the difference between him and Westbrook. Westbrook said, "Okay, like I am not, you know, as athletic or fast as I used to be. My shot isn't always there." You know, and he saw, you know, we all saw how bad of a fit he was on the Lakers, but then he came over to the Clippers, you know, took a, you know, vet minimum type of deal. And I, I would say it's working out pretty nicely. You know, I'm excited to see, I think the Clippers could be, uh, you know, definitely a dark horse type of team in the West. Um, yeah. But yeah, going back to your other point, uh, yeah, Cronin, he completely finesse he, he definitely finessed the, the heat he, out of every team they and also wanted drew holiday and he said no he took it a step further and it's interesting because pat riley's a very good you know owner general manager Season. he's been you know, it all. really great really great at roster building um but this is the thing about the heat and why i think they're you know below the celtics and bucks right now oh, they yeah. didn't really add anyone this offseason but they lost a decent number of role players. You know, Gabe Vincent went to the Lakers. Who else did they lose? Uh, Max Struess went to the Cavs. Um, even even a guy like Cody Zeller, you know, don't laugh, but he, you know, played some decent minutes as a yeah, big in like fair. Eastern Conference Finals. Absolutely. I think he went to I think he went to the Rockets. I want to say I could be wrong about that. Um, but it's just those little things where you chip away and chip away, and you don't add anyone back. Um, and then of course you don't know if Caleb Martin's going to replicate what he did in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. He didn't do it in the finals. Um wouldn't count on it. <laughs> you know, so it's like what what are what's the Heat's identity gonna be? And you know, will they have the offensive production? You know, will you know Jimmy's always gonna be Jimmy. You know, he's super reliable. Can we talk about how he showed up to media day? Bro, the emo like- hair. His he actually hair. feels betrayed and like lonely and just like hurt. he wants to self-harm himself. He literally, yeah, he literally said things. it was like this is I'm like channeling my inner feelings right now or something along those yeah. lines. And it was literally, yeah, like him with emo hat. Yeah, I mean the thing with Jimmy is he's always gonna come to media day with something crazy. The mm-hmm. year before that, it was a super long dreads, which I actually thought that looked pretty good and it, yeah, you know, like it sums up Jimmy's personality well. But he but, might one up himself again. Exactly. And <laughs> you know, Jimmy's just one of the funniest personalities in the league. I love the man. Yeah. You know, I think Fair everyone would be Trump. lucky to have him on this on their team. He's what Joel Embiid um, wants to be. <laughs> Troel Embiid. <Yeah. laughs> oh yeah, and Embiid. Embiid also made a very funny comment the yesterday. Tweet? He, the tweet? Yeah, where he's yeah. like, Well, well. He did say the offseason crazy lol, but they also said, Oh dang, the the Bucks and Celtics are now almost at the level of the 76ers with these recent acquisitions. I'm like, bro, they were already ahead even before the trades were made. Yeah. yeah now yeah, they're just yeah. like that much further ahead of you guys. And you guys asked them like in media day, it was like, Oh, like, what do you think about the Bucks and Celtics like being above yeah, it was that. like, oh, who said they're above us? And then, like, every comment on social media was, like, um, everyone said that because it's true. <laughs> they beat you guys, like, five out of five the last seasons, you know. 
So he's just he's the one getting trolled, whereas Jimmy Butler is also taking L's, but he's the one doing the trolling. <laughs> yeah, and the thing with Miami is they're they're definitely a step below the Celtics and Bucks right now, but a couple, a couple. There, there, at least a couple, but they'll still be there. I mean, they were an eight. They were an eight, they they were an eight seed this past year. They literally lost a playing game, which you know we won't talk about whether they threw that game or not. That's, I think, a discussion for another time. But yeah, yeah, they were a playing team who made the finals. So yeah, that's no. Nice. Even even if on paper the Heat are a couple steps below, you the can't Celtics count them out. You're right. Even though it's funny out. and your voice went super high when you said it, you still can't count them out. Because as a Celtics fan, I know I know like. We look, we faced them three, three in the conference finals three times in the last four years. We're one and two. Yeah, no, you're good. You know, you, you, you know exactly how the Heat are. They're, they're, you they're, see what they're Masai really Ujiri said at Media Day from a, a sad Raptors fan. <laughs> he was basically like, Oh, nobody played the right way. And if we want to win, we need to play the right way. And we were all selfish and nobody did that. And I was like, Dude, we were literally the front earners to get Dame. And then OG was so close to being that happy about it that dude actually texted Damian Lillard and uh, welcomed him to the Raptors as a prank. It was, like, it, was that close. it was that close. It was a package around him or Scotty, which I don't agree with as a Raptors fan. I think we should get rid of Siakam. It would have worked out a lot better. But honestly speaking, I didn't want Dame to end up on the Raptors because he wasn't going to get that much better of a chance to win. We need to actually like solidly rebuild around OG and Siakam. But like you said, that's a or sorry, not Siakam, OG and Scotty Barnes. We need to sell Siakam. But yeah, that's a topic for another time. Honestly, I think the East right now is a one team race and it's the Celtics so far up ahead of everyone else that you have teams like the Cavs with the Max Juice acquisition probably taking over that third to fourth spot. New York is right behind them. I wouldn't count Philly in. I'd say they're mostly a play-in team, honestly. Maybe the 60 at best. And yeah. then who else do you have? The Raptors are probably going to be another play-in team. And then the Hawks might be another play-in team. But when it comes that, to... That's like, always a play-in team, too. Yeah, like right. Sort of like a 6, 7, 8 seed type of team. Maybe the Pacers um, might make some noise, you know? They have... um Bruce Brown from the Nuggets. They have Halliburton, which is playing. In- yeah, I'm excited to see Halliburton play this season. He was on fire last year. You know, it was unfortunate the Pacers couldn't get to the play-in, but you know they they're certainly a team with potential. Um, and they they've been willing to pay guys to, you know, try to make something happen. So, yeah, yeah we'll see. Honestly, um, like I'd say, it, the Boston Celtics are in first. Bucks are in second. And then either the Cavs or New York at that third spot. And then Miami starts coming in at that fourth, fifth spot. Then probably the Sixers and then the Hawks. And then you're looking at teams like the Bulls and Raptors. So honestly, it's not that much competition. It's just Boston and then that's it. Yeah. um, So I think that's basically how the Eastern Conference is going to line up. Do you like think that there's much... Uh, obviously, outside of like injuries and midseason trades, do you think that's a pretty accurate assessment, or would you put some teams above others? I would say, I would say that's pretty accurate. Uh, definitely the Celtics at one, Bucks at you know one C one D slash two. Um, 
I think three, four, five are pretty interchangeable. I think the Heat, Knicks, and Cavs will will kind of fight. It sort of depends on the margins. You know, last year the Cavs in the regular season really did a good job around the margins. You know, had I think they had ended the season with a perfect overtime record, didn't they? Like they mm-hmm. were like seven or eight and nothing. Yeah. Um, including a couple nice overtime wins over my Celtics. <laughs> uh Following that, I would say, yeah, like, you know, like a Sixers followed by like, you know, Raptor, Raptors, Nets, Hawks, you know, there's the types of playing teams. I could maybe see like a Pacers or even a Magic, you know, maybe make a push for like a 10 seed. Yeah. Playing type of thing. I don't think they're a playoff team, either of them, but, you know. I'm I'm excited to see what maybe they can do too. Some of those teams that usually are near the bottom. Maybe uh Boncaro has a another jump this year. Obviously had a great rookie year. So yeah, Eastern Conference should be interesting, but uh see, like, so should the Western think, Conference. Yeah, right. But like you think the power has shifted from the West to the East with all these like blockbuster trades. But it's still the Western Conference who has a multitude of just generally better squads which is kind of weird because the East is really top-heavy with two top-heavy teams. But so is the West in some aspect. But at the same time, they still have a variety of better teams because in the Western Conference, you can't count out the Warriors because they have championship DNA. They're a dynasty. Never going to count them out. Never count out the Splash Brothers. Yeah, exactly. You can't count out the Phoenix Suns, which arguably has the best starting three in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Outside of Celtics starting six, I think they have, and then uh, the best starting two are arguably between Giannis and Damian Lillard or Jamal Murray and Jokic. I'm going to give the edge to Jamal Murray and Jokic because honestly, one, the reigning chance is too obvious, but the second reason is honestly because I think that both of them have a more multifaceted talent level. Whereas Giannis has limitations, um, like offensively late in games, like late in the fourth quarter, for example, he has shooting limitations. Uh, Damian Lillard is not a good defender, even though he has gotten better with time. He's just like he uh, propels too much energy on the offensive end. It's just not a priority for him to play defense. And honestly, he shouldn't have to. He's way too good offensively. But then you have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, which are literally both doing everything type of players. Like Murray plays defense and Shota's Jokic. Obviously, he's a bad defender, but that doesn't cover up for him literally making everyone around him 10 times better offensively. So you have Aaron Gordon, which is essentially their true center, who can also shoot threes, by the way. And he's mm-hmm. the worst shooter on the team with like a mid thirties, uh, sh- uh, like percentage from three. So that tells you how good they are. Obviously, they lost Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, but I still think they have the best duo in the entire NBA because they're both so multifaceted. Like Jamal Murray excels at shooting step back threes, and he's also a little bit longer and taller than Dane, so he can defend and hold his own. He's stronger, he can hold his own better on the defensive end. You know, so honestly, you can't count out either the Warriors or the Denver Nuggets or the Phoenix Suns because after the trade, like we discussed, the Damian Lillard trade, they got a lot better, in my opinion. 
they removed i think they're like the biggest winners like this is another hot take i think that the phoenix suns because obviously most people are going to say milwaukee or even portland with everything they got back but i think the phoenix suns are the winners out of that three team deal specifically because they got rid of a toxic situation where they had to like essentially were forced to pay a center who didn't want to play for them who managed to like finesse some sort of max deal on the pacers and then uh the owners were forced to match it because that way it doesn't seep into their luxury tax but nonetheless i think he just didn't want to be there he didn't get along with devin booker who is phoenix like devin booker is literally he's the only um i think i saw this thing on instagram the other day it said that devin booker was the last person on the team from the 2021 championship or, or finals team he's literally mm-hmm. the only player left like i didn't want to get into he's the longest tenured phoenix sun at like what seven eight seasons however long he's played in the nba but he's literally the only one left from the phoenix suns team that made the finals two years ago like let that sink in that's that insane is, that's crazy and it's true because chris paul's gone campaign yeah. got cut and tory craig got uh, signed with the Bulls in free agency. Nobody's there anymore. Like, let that sink in. That's how crazy roster turnover is in the NBA. That's how much of a business it is. But going back to the main point I was trying to make, I think that they are the ones that won that trade because they got, okay, so like, who do you need at the center position to get out of the West? Someone to stop Jokic, right? That's essentially all you need. And Nurkic is arguably the cheapest, best alternative outside of someone who didn't want to be there, who didn't get along with his teammates, who's done it before. Like Nurkic has faced Jokic in the past and he obviously Jokic wasn't at the like prime level he's playing at now. But and then Nurkic went through a lot of injuries that sidelined him. But I'd say that's still an upgrade over a reluctant DeAndre Ayton who doesn't want to play there in the first place. Because they're both European. Uh, Nurkic is a little bit like uh, bigger and heavier than Aiton. So he can hold his own a little bit more. They both come from like that European style of play. So Nurkic can probably read Jokic's tendencies a little bit more, especially that he has played against them before. So honestly, I think they kind of got away with that trade. And they also got a knockdown shooter in Grayson Allen who's perfect to play alongside um, people like Booker and Beal. He's a lot taller than your average guard uh, or like your average backcourt starting guard. He's around 6'6", 6'7". So he can arguably play the three, but he's probably going to be asked to play. Oh, yeah, he will be because you have um, Beal and Booker. But at the same time, like I just think they need all the shooting they can get. And then they got a knockdown shooter in Grayson Allen, who's a really underrated pickup. And then you got that like rough Nasir little uh, defensive minded, rugged guard who's going to get you those stops who we've seen get all the time in Portland when he played there. And he's also a pretty good shooter. I think he shoots around 37, 38 percent on catch and shoot threes. So I think the Suns basically turned around their roster to be better equipped to compete with who they have to do that against, which in this scenario is the Nuggets. So I think they upgraded accordingly, which is what the Milwaukee Bucks didn't do when um, Boston got Drew Holiday. So I think these moves were really good and made the Suns an even more favored contender to come out of the West, which is, let's be honest, probably a three-team race. It's between Denver, Phoenix, and the Warriors, maybe. 
maybe if people want to throw out the Lakers, but from a Lakers fan, I'm telling you guys, we're not going to make some noise this year with the current roster we have. I'm sorry. You don't, uh, you don't think so? Because I, I will say it seems like, you know, the Lakers, they kept, you know, they kept their core roster from last year. Obviously, AD and LeBron are AD and LeBron. Uh, yeah, but they also, you know, Austin Reeves is still there. It can be questioned whether he'll repeat his playoff run from last year or not. You know, whether he'll good. He's not enough, like, against a Bradley Beal, against a Steph Curry, against, like, you know, a Jamal Murray. Like, he's not that good. Yeah. But you guys did add depth this past year. You know, you guys got Gabe Vincent from the Heat. That could be a nice depth piece. You got Christian Wood. You got Torian Prince. You got Jackson Hayes. You got Cam Reddish. Like, you know, none of these guys are might get you over that next echelon of beating, you know, Denver or Phoenix or the Warriors. Succeed in the West, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, you guys were just in the conference finals, you know, and rosters on paper don't always translate to, uh, you know, to to making it back to the conference finals or even the finals run. I mean, I actually agree with your hot take i'm not just trying to be you know a, a yes man but no I, I i do think i do think that that starting three of, of beal book and kd are just you know it's insane <laughs> absolutely insane i think the one question concern i have is a you know do they all mesh together all stay healthy and then sort of how does it look defensively you know, I'm not saying that like Aiton was the glue of their defense. If anyone, it was uh Mikhail Bridges who oh, yeah. Mikhail. left the year before. Year before, he's so yeah, good. That was a, that was a huge loss defensively. Great pickup for the Nets, and that's why. Like a mini Kawhi that actually plays. Play, plays the 82 games this season. Like, yeah, he's literally known for that. Like, he just doesn't miss any games. But anyways, not to go off on too far of a tangent, but. I would tend to agree those are the three teams to beat. Uh, I think the Warriors will find their way back to the conference finals this year. I think last year they just kind of didn't get their groove, you know, went a bit cold on shooting at the wrong times. And it's also interesting to see what they do with Chris Paul now that he's on the team. Yeah, honestly, like, I feel like there was a lot of rumors about them just going out on a limb and signing someone like Dwight Howard. And if they did, I'd probably put them in a very, like, significant and stable spot, as in the top three or, like, the third best team in the Western Conference. But at this point in time, I feel like it's a toss-up between them and the Lakers, even though I'm not that high on the Lakers from a Lakers fan. I still do like the Warriors as a team, even though we're kind of rivals because I just love Steph Curry and what he did for the game. But that's besides the point. I think that if you put them against each other now, honestly, it's a toss up because the Lakers have them beat on every single aspect when it comes to size, rebounding, interior defense, rugged play, like 50-50 balls, everything like that is going the Lakers side. But then when it comes to pure talent, age, shooting, identity uh leadership uh you know championship experience the warriors edge them out tremendously so honestly it's going to be probably another seven game series at this point in the season if they do match up in the play in the playoffs and i'm not sure which team comes out it depends on 
who goes nuclear more, AD and LeBron or Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, you know, they're probably at that three slash four, maybe even five spot. If you look at other teams in the West, there's a lot of dark horses like Dallas, Houston. I'm not going to say San Antonio, but they do have one, Benyama. Maybe even the Clippers, you know, that's probably the fifth team in that conversations. Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors. Those how about, are probably uh, how hmm? about the Sacramento Kings? Oh my god, I totally blanked out on them. Jesus, you're right. It's a it, it's I mean, I don't blame you. It's it's easy to forget that they uh you know that's broke crazy. the long they broke the longest uh playoff drought of any professional sports team in north america not just NBA. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to forget um, that which is insane um, and they took and they took the warriors to seven in the first round you know seven games in the first round lost a couple of those games by one possession yeah yeah one of them was you know literally a one point loss for them so you know and i i think mike brown's a very good coach really motivates That's his guys um and they were kind of a machine offensively last year. I think their question is, can they step up defensively, keep up that magic on the offensive end? I think they still have pretty much their entire core on the team from last year. Thinking about it as you're talking, all of what you're saying is facts, but in terms of the regular season, I feel like when it comes to the playoffs, it's going to be the teams I mentioned, not the Sacramento Kings. Like When it comes to the playoffs, you're probably going to have the top two, which is Phoenix and Denver, and then the three behind them are probably going to be the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors. Because when it comes to a playoff setting, I don't think teams like um, the Kings or like the Rockets or even the Thunder are going to make that much noise. They're probably going to be first to second round exits, maybe even Memphis, just like they were last season. I think when it comes to the playoffs, just like if you want to take it back to the East, like the Bucks might just come out with the first seed, like because the the season's long, you know, a lot of stuff happens. So the Bucks are really good at getting the first seed in the Eastern Conference, as they have proved to do the last like couple of seasons, right? They've usually been the first seed, so they might take the first seed against the Boston Celtics. But when it comes to a playoff setting, I think the Boston Celtics have them beat easily, easily, not even yeah, on paper. I, I... Like just, I totally agree. And that's why that's why I mentioned the defense, though, which is I think what prevented them from making a deeper playoff run last year, the Kings. And I, I have a feeling it will likely be the same. Like, I don't disagree with your overall assessment of the West. I just threw them in there because they're a young team. They're a fun know, team. Yeah. Right. And again, they, they took the Splash Brothers to seven games. It, you know, came down to literally one or two points in a couple of games. But they could have easily knocked them out. And if they made it to round two, I don't think they would have beaten the Lakers. I think it probably would have been like a sweep or five game series. But you never know. Yeah. You know, a lot of crazy things can happen in the playoffs. Take, for example, Miami beating Milwaukee in round <laughs> one. Oh you my know, God. very, very, very definitively. That's insane. You know, beating their chest doing so. Um, but they could be interesting. And then I tend to agree the rest of them you know, kind of six, seven, eight seeds below, you know, Dallas lost Christian Wood, but got Seth Curry back, you know, Luca will Grant. have a bounce back year. 
they obviously have Kyrie, which you Brad. kind of forget about because Kyrie missed his first playoffs in like seven or eight years last Are year. Are you forgetting Grant, bro? You're a Celtics fan. Will he make them both, though? What do you mean? Y'all remember oh, that? Oh, 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 oh. That took me a second. I was like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make them both. I'm going to make them both. <laughs> oh, my God, Grant. He was, oh. like, my favorite Celtic. Now it's definitely Drew. Like, outside of Jalen Brown, who I definitely like more than JT, because you know how my stance on JT is, but we won't get into that. But, like, now you definitely have, like, a favorite player of mine on the Celtics. And I honestly feel like he might take that heart and soul role right from his first season because he's, like, an underrated teammate, dude. He has, like, three teammate of the year awards. And he has, like, a most, uh, like, reliable teammate award at another, like, one that's like that. He's a very, like, good locker room person and presence. And he's very positive. So he's going to help you guys so much, man. Honestly, if you guys don't um, chip in the next two years, you should just stop being a Celtics fan because it's not going to get better than this, Connor. No, I, I completely agree. It, it is interesting, though, you know, not to go off on too much of a tangent so we kind of wrap up on the West, but he has a championship under his belt, which I don't think anyone on the Celtics has had as of late. Yeah. So kind of having he, – he could be that sort of stable leadership yeah, saying. maybe Jalen Brown's a vocal leader now that he's the longest tenured Celtic, but you know, Drew's gonna be the second oldest guy on that team, other than Al Horford. Yeah, everyone else really is under 30, which is insane. That's another reason why they're better than the Bucks mm-hmm. in the playoffs age. Like the Bucks are old, their starting five are all over 30. Yeah, you forget that Gian- even like Giannis has been in the league for like nine years now. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have Giannis, but if he goes down, that's pretty much it. It's a wrap. But if you have someone like Porzingis or Al Horford or even Jason Tatum go down, it's not even a wrap for you guys because you still have such a good roster, a.k.a. starting six. But like you said, not to get off too much of a chance, I still think that the power dynamic has not shifted from the West to the East, even with these blockbuster trades, because the East is a very top-heavy team. Like Outside of those two teams we've been talking about this whole episode, there isn't really any other team that can make that much noise, with the exception of the Heat, because of their culture. But from a Mm -hmm. roster standpoint, they're not going to make any noise. But when it comes to the West, you have a lot of teams that are equipped for that, as well as a lot of dark horses. So like we meant we I forgot to mention the Sacramento Kings, which I'd honestly say they're more of a dark horse in a playoff setting. But I'm talking purely like when it comes to the playoffs outside of Phoenix, the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers and the Clippers. I don't really see any other person with the exception of the Denver Nuggets who are the reigning champions making that much noise in the West. However, when you want to go from a regular season standpoint, you still have a lot of other stack teams. Like people forget about Houston getting so many trades like Fred, Dylan Brooks, and you forget like New Orleans Zion's going to come back. They have CJ McCollum, they have Brandon Ingram. That's a really solid starting lineup. And then you have the Thunder, which have proven to get better and better every year. They have a first-team all-player in Shea. And then you have the Timberwolves with Cat, who want to make so much noise. Anthony Edwards, who's arguably the best young American player nowadays alongside of Jason Tatum. But if you're talking about under 25, it's probably Ant and LaMelo. And LaMelo hasn't been seeing the court a lot lately, so it's definitely Ant. That's why he was giving that sort of pseudo-leadership uh, role in the U.S. team, which flopped to 
my Canadian team with Dylan Brooks actually going crazy. It's funny because I'm in the US, you're American, I'm Canadian, you're in Canada, and our team's faced off for the third uh, place uh, medal instead of the first, which everyone was hyping it up to be. And Dylan Brooks dropped 39 points. That was was crazy. Um, You know, obviously Team USA was playing a lot of you could argue second stringers, oh but God. ultimately, yeah, they flop big time. They didn't have, you know, and you know, Bridges is a great guy. I think you he know, was very the best reliable, on but that team. he was, you know, probably followed by Ant Man. Um, then what about uh, the Knicks starting guard, Brunson? Oh, true. I did forget about yeah. Brunson. Um, like, I think Antis Brunson was kind of... is an American player. I think there's other people that are slightly better than him, but he's sort of... Yeah, Brunson was... Court. In terms of, like, performance-wise, Brunson was pretty quiet. I think his role had... was more of a traditional PG, so he tried to, like, get other people involved rather than himself. Which, yeah, I, I think Brunson's a good teammate. He's been a great fit on the Knicks and part of why they you know, bounce back last season and yeah. why I think they'll probably be a playoff team again. You know, likely a second round exit, but still like, you know, a very good team, especially defensively and, and much improved offensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a very underwhelming performance by Team USA in general. Couldn't really get a lot going. You know, Brandon Ingram really went through it in a few of those games, shooting wise. Uh you know, and then Team Canada just had it going, as you mentioned, Dylan Brooks, who everyone kind of loves to to make fun of. He's kind of a pariah for, you know, whether you think it's justified or not. But you know, he really went out there and did his thing. And yeah, Team Team Canada, like Canada, has a lot of great players in in the NBA. You know, you have Shea, they have uh, Wiggins, they have. Jamal Murray, yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily listing guys who play, but just yeah. you know, great Canadians. If them two played, we might we might have gotten second or first, honestly. Like, especially with Jamal Murray coming off a championship run and Wiggins a year before him, so you never know. But yeah, obviously, outside of that underwhelming U.S. performance and my Canadians taking that third medal, which you probably didn't even want as a U.S. team. So we'll take it. You know, we're happy with that. You know, like Germany did it, made it happen. They got the gold. But um, yeah, we'll be happy with third place. But yeah, go sh- shout out to your shout out to your boy, uh, Dennis Schroeder, newest <laughs> Raptor. Oh, my God. I totally forgot we have it. <laughs> What are the Raptors right now, man? Honestly, like just rebuild at this point in the side. What are you doing? That's what I was, that's what I was about to say. Not good enough to contend, but uh, clearly not. Yeah, tanking, rebuilding. Man loves either. being mediocre, hey. <laughs> uh, sounds like my New England Patriots in football, but that's another story. For another <laughs> <day>. <laughs> hey, um, you guys had your glory, like for the past you like, 20, 20, 20 years. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. No, I'm, I'm more than good. These things happen. <laughs> you gotta fall to rise again. <laughs> um, anyways, but going back to the West, I think if we're going to do what we did with the East and think yeah, about where we roughly think people will land seating wise. Yeah, I, so I regular season. Regular season. Yeah, okay. yeah, regular season and roughly, you know, kind of where I think teams might go or might end up, you know, also in the playoffs. But again, like being a higher seed doesn't necessarily 
equal playoff success, but I think the Nuggets are the team to beat in the West, both regular season and playoffs. Yeah, your top two, just like it is the Bucks and the Celtics in the East, I think it's Phoenix and, and the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets. The yeah, they're definitely then, like your top two dogs. And then I would say Warriors at third or in third. Uh, they're sort of a team that can make it to the conference finals, maybe even make it to the championship Honestly, if they can. I would have to, to disagree. Denver. I don't think the Warriors are going to be that high up in the regular season. I think it's going to be another team like the Sacramento Kings, like you called me out on earlier. They're a better regular season team than the Warriors are. I think so. I like, I kind of like how I like the three, four, five in the East. Is kind of interchangeable. Okay. I think okay. like yeah, three yeah, through yeah. six is. I yeah. think the Kings, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors will be the third to yeah. six seeds. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And it'll ca- kind of come down to the margins, like the head-to-head matchups. Yeah, you know the no, I agree with that. divisional records, stuff like that. Yeah, they'll determine where they they fall. And again, like you know, being the third seed doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna make the conference finals or course, you know for course. a succeed no but like yeah no, those those three are or four are definitely appropriate for that range you have like you said the the kings the warriors lakers and clippers and then a step behind that i probably put like the new more newly assembled teams like the rockets the pelicans the thunder you know i feel like those teams maybe even minnesota has like a 10th or 11th spot brewing in them I think them yeah. and Dallas are kind of the same thing. It's like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They ha- true, true. I feel like Dallas is definitely a better. The thing with Dallas, the thing with Dallas, they kind of have the same problem as last year, which is Luca and Kyrie don't have help. <laughs> well, that and they're both ball dominant guards who don't play a lot of defense. Yeah. So it's just a question of whether the Mavs will actually do that or not. Um, if they do, you know, maybe they can kind of surprise us. I mean, we all forget that they played the Warriors in the conference finals, although, you know, they, they got the brakes beaten off of them in doing so. But, you know, they're only a year removed from that. So it's it's definitely possible. And, you know, last year they just kind of choked the final 10 or 15 games of the regular season away. Yeah. Um. So so I, I, I see them as more of a play-in team. You know, yeah, the they're probably behind that list of like three to six that we said. I put mm-hmm. the Dallas right there and then like the Grizzlies and then the teams I mentioned, like the Rockets, Pelicans, Timberwolves, and Thunder. Right. Yeah, you always kind of forget about the Grizzlies. The thing with them is it's the same core as before. Obviously, they get a very gritty player, Marcus Smart, but he's also about to be on the wrong side of 30, so... We'll, we'll kind of see and you know i hate to say it as a celtics fan but his defense did you know take a major step back last year so mm-hmm. and like you know, even we'll though they might start off better than other teams i think their record's going to catch up to them and even though they were the second seed last year i agree with you and more of placing them in that like seventh to ninth area with dallas because honestly, I just don't think they have their identity and their like swag and their like young gun pride like they once had. <laughs> no pun intended. I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, it's young funny. Uh, pride, eh? It's funny because uh, t- I think like today or yesterday, Derek Rose, who is a I new. the Memphis Grizzly. He is a newly minted Memphis Grizzly yeah. indeed. 
he literally said they needed more like today or yesterday he's like uh john moran i'm not babysitting you bro yeah that's like horrible to get called out like that like from a legend to a former mvp like you know you're you literally destroyed your reputation because you thought you were too cool for school when your name was like demetrius or something <laughs> like yeah and buddy literally has a daughter much. like you get like yeah it's gonna poor, be poor, poor behavior for isn't that the thing he told her to say? It's about to be a parade in my city. Yeah, yeah it was. But yeah, that, that's that's kind of the thing with the Grizzlies. We know what they have. You know, they're not, they're a one-trick pony. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll be a slightly higher seed in the regular season, but playoffs, if yeah. they make it, are a first-round exit again, for sure. Yeah. Unless they make some crazy moves within the trade off season, mid season. But yeah, like the West is pretty packed, honestly, this year. Like we said, um, like you got your two top dogs in the Phoenix Suns and then the Denver Nuggets. And then you have that like three or four teams which are going to be right below them, one step. You got the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and the Kings because the Kings actually have their holes patched as opposed to like a Memphis or a Dallas, which are right after them. And then you have that like a last layer of like want to be good teams, mediocre, sort of like the Raptors and the Houston Rockets, the Pelicans, the OKC Thunder. And I don't even want to toss Minnesota in there unless like, but I, I they're, can't. They're, they're, they're bubble playing teams. So yeah, I can't like, not maybe, maybe a 10 seed, maybe they're a um, 10 seed candidate, but they're. But like they have two really like, good players, but that's it. Yeah. Like they, they also have that really good defender, actually forget his name he's like one of the top wing defenders in the entire league so they might make some noise but i wouldn't i assume you don't mean rudy gobert oh yeah they have rudy too yeah see like you can't not include them they have too much like talent on paper to not include them as a 10th seed (laughs) yeah i think with minnesota they would like they were a 500 team last year they would like win four or five games in a row but then like lose four or five games in a row so I think that's just kind of gonna be their identity again this all this season. Um uh, yeah, I think that basically sums up the West. And yeah, yeah the, Spur- the Spurs, even though they have Wembenyama, they're they're their bottom feeder team again. I'm sorry. Oh, they have Troy Brown Jr. from the Lakers now. Who the Spurs? Uh no, Minnesota. Oh. Super- I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Troy Brown Jr. wasn't on the... Actually, I might have heard he wasn't on the Lakers anymore. I didn't realize he went to Minnesota. Oh, my God. You know who else they have? Who? The guy the Lakers cut when he made that, like, uh, the the three for game, Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah, because Matt Ryan used to be a former, like, Celtic G-leaguer, too, before he was on the Lakers. They look like, he made some pickups. Okay, okay. Buddy literally used to be working like fast food before he made the G League with the Celtics, and then he yeah. ended up on the Lakers, and now he's in Minnesota. Yeah, he found himself a solid roster spot. That's admirable. I respect Jake Milton from Philly. Okay, okay, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, they did. Solid 10, solid 10 seed right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's Minnesota in a nutshell. Yeah, basically, right? They try to contend, and then they're like, psych. And they're never bad on either side of the ball, but they're never good. They're yeah. always, like, in the middle. I would say, like, 12 to 18 range for yeah. both offensive and defensive rating. 
Oh, I'd probably put them a little bit lower, but yeah, like the lower end of what you said sounds about right. So, yeah, unless you have any other thoughts, Fod, I think this yeah, no, sums up the offseason pretty well and where we're yeah. headed. No, this was a very good, well-thought-out, thorough episode. I feel like we covered a lot. Um, honestly, I just wanted to touch a little bit more on the U.S. situation, but I feel like we talked about it enough. Like, there's not really a lot to talk about anymore. There's way more interesting stuff that happened after that that was more of like a three, four weeks ago news, you know, and but American listeners probably don't want to get reminded of that too much. So <laughs> we'll skim over that, you know. <laughs> Uh, for the Canadian listeners out there, though, uh, we, we did a solid getting the bronze medal. But I guess a way to wrap up would be the, a silver lining for all the American listeners out there, because at least your guys' flop, or myself included, I guess, in this flop, that we involved a lot more of the actual superstars in our league to commit for um, Paris in 2024 in the Olympics. So if anything, we have the NBA season and then right after the finals, we have that to look forward to as well, which is going to be an insanely star-studded team. You have people like Steph Curry, Devin Booker, um, LBJ, and then KD, and then Joel Embiid as a starting lineup. Like, I don't care who you assemble around those people, nobody's going to stop that. Yeah, I think LeBron, like a month ago, even said, like, yeah, we're rallying the troops for... Paris 2024. One last uh, part two. And Embiid, and Embiid's playing on the U.S. team. Like he's not gonna play for uh for Cameroon. Yeah, because he recently got U.S. citizenship. So like, okay. why not just guarantee yourself a gold medal? I, I mean, why not too? I know, I know some players who are like multinational. Like sometimes they'll want to play for their home country, and other times yeah. they're like, yeah, USA is my home now. Yeah, I mean, good, good for him either way. I mean. We like to poke fun at Embiid in the Sixers, but at the end of the day, he's a reigning, <laughs> reigning MVP. Yeah. He, you know, still he cried for it, but he got it. <laughs> no one's going to remember that he cried for it in 30 years, but they're going to remember that he got it. Nah, they will remember the finals, <laughs> the finals MVP and real MVP, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, dude, the real MVP was Nikola, man. We'll see how he does this season. Honestly, there's so much to look forward to, and we can't wait to cover it for everyone listening. This is going to be, like, one of the most exciting seasons in so long. I know we say that every year, but this offseason was a whirlwind. You had, like, literally the Bucks selling their best glue guy to their rival neighbors. You had Damian Lillard, who was the definition of the word loyalty in a new uniform. You have so many new teams that didn't have a full season together, like the Suns. I didn't even see that with Beal's entry. It's going to be a whole new outstanding phenomenon. I, I really want the Warriors to start off their season with another blockbuster signing of a big. Like that would make them so much more tiered, exceptionally to especially to pair with Chris Paul, because Chris Paul is like the best pick and roll PG ever. Whereas Steph can be a best PG or a best shooting guard, depending on what you need him to be. So, like, if you got, like, a Dwight Howard, imagine him in CP3, man. Or, like, even DeAndre Jordan, give him back with Chris Paul, bring back Lob City, but put it in the Bay. You know, like, but other crazy. than that, you just have mad, mad, exciting new teams to look forward to. And I cannot count the days. I think there's about 20 days left for the season to there's start. Exact, there's exactly 20 days. Uh, yeah, tip off 24th. is the 24th. 
Yeah, and then you have the the preseason starting this Saturday for whoever wants to see. You can get a glimpse of the stars a little bit in the first quarter, and that's pretty much it. So it's like a nice little warm-up, if you will, to get the regular season started. And then we all know how everyone goes super crazy try-hard mode on the first few nights, with especially with opening night. You have a lot of exciting matchups to look forward to, and we cannot wait to be talking about them on the next episode of Shooter Show. Thank you.